0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to another Wednesday night on the show. I'd like to honor all the veterans that served our country. This is your day, veterans. This is we're dedicating the show to the veterans. I'd like to welcome our panel, our guests have all from Philadelphia land a Philadelphia legend, Mr. Don Henderson, and up another Philadelphia legend, Mr. Roger Henler. Frank I'm Charles the Dog. A veteran too, that's right. And I like to welcome Mr. Roy Cummings, uh, of Tampa Bay, gentlemen. Did the Bucks lay an egg on Sunday night? That was god-awful.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Man, that was a throwback um, to an era that we thought uh, we'd put behind us, but um, not the case, obviously. Uh, clearly a situation there where, uh, you know, every team's got a got a clunker in them, even the best. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was a clunker for the Bucks. Um Unfortunately, the, the thing that bothers me more than the fact that they just played poorly in that game is the fact that uh, this is in some areas it was at least the second time in a row they played poorly. Secondary, in particular, uh, I'm talking about. Um, I think that's an issue that you got to be concerned with going forward. Um, it shows that the offensive line may not be as strong as we think it is. You lose one key guy, and he, granted, he's the best player on the on the line and uh, Mm-hmm. Like Marfette, and you can't protect, you know, the other issue is they, they, they don't seem to have an answer for, uh, for, for New Orleans right now. And, if look, it, this, is, this is, could, could prove to be a really devastating loss, the way things are working out uh, this year. It doesn't look like the Bucks are going to win the division. If they don't win the division, it's highly unlikely that they're going to get a home game. Uh, you know, they're going to have to be on the road, possibly at Philadelphia. Uh, to start oh the playoffs, uh, that's 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 more often than not been a been a disaster for them. So, you know, it's a it's incredible how one game can kind of change your perspective on a team. Oftentimes, you know, we overrate that, but or we you know overanalyze it. But this is an indication that this team's got some flaws, and they're starting to show up here. The deeper we get into the season, instead of this team actually getting better. Uh, we're seeing it kind of just kind of, you know, it's stagnant in some areas. Running games not getting significantly better. Passing games not really getting significantly better. Uh, and in some areas, like the secondary, they're getting a lot worse. So there's uh, there's some trouble here that they've got to correct, and uh, you know, pretty soon here.
3: Roy, a couple Roy, of points was, for me. One is that you talk about the playoffs we always do uh, uh, the league would announce today that uh, if they can't complete the season uh, as they hope, uh, they're going to extend the playoffs to 16 games, uh, you know, rather than the normal uh, comp of it. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And number two, uh, we have talked about how well uh, the Bucks have been playing all year until last week. If you remember, you and I spoke a great deal, and in fact, we all did, uh, it wasn't Tom Brady. Even Tom Brady in the postgame show talked about how badly they had played. They won, but they played badly. And this week they played way down below bad. And and I have to be very honest. I only made it to halftime. At what was thirty? What was thirty-one to nothing at halftime? And I I went to bed. I went to bed. I said that's enough for me. I can't watch any more of this. Yeah,
2: there's no look. There's no doubt, uh, Don. They're they're trending in the wrong direction, and and it's primarily. Uh, look, the offense had a, had a real bad night. Tom Brady had one of his worst games ever, and and you can blame it on that. I mean, they missed some basic stuff. Um, Brady spent all night trying to find some kind of rhythm, couldn't do it. Don't know why that is. Don't know if he was trying to work too hard to get the ball to Antonio Brown instead of the, uh, you know, the guys that he's been working with all season long. But to me, the bigger problem is, for two weeks in a row now, we have seen teams pass at will against the Buccaneers. The problem, they got bailed out by the fact that Daniel Jones couldn't hit a long pass two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. If Daniel Jones hits one or two of those, we talked about this last week, if Daniel Jones hits one or two of those, we're talking probably about a Buccaneers loss to the Giants. Then you back right. it up with this, and the secondary is well, getting beat, yeah. not just deep, but more often than not, you know, between the deep safeties, and the linebackers, and that's what Drew Brees does. He, he will pick you apart in that intermediate zone between the, the linebackers and the safeties. I've watched it for 20-plus 20, 20 years. Well, not 20-plus years, <laughs> he hasn't played that long, but for, for as long as he's been in New Orleans. I've seen him do this to Tampa Bay, and yeah. for whatever reason, the Bucs had no answer in terms of adjustments. Uh, the blitz wasn't working. Uh, they just couldn't adjust to, to this, and it seems like uh, New Orleans has their number. And here's the thing. I mean, the scenarios as we see them, if a lot of people now think New Orleans arguably the best team in the NFC. Wouldn't argue with that. Uh, Green Bay and uh, Seattle certainly have an argument to make. But if Tampa Bay were to get, you know, to win, let's, let's play it out the way some people see it right now. If Tampa Bay were to get to the playoffs as a wild card, they end up playing the NFC East champion. It ends up being Philadelphia. They win there. Uh, which I think they would do based on, you know, what I've seen of these two teams thus far, far, uh, at some point they're going to end up having to face New Orleans if they want to get to the Super Bowl probably. Um, I don't see them beating them a third time or or, or in a third game. A lot of people think it's hard to beat a team three times, and it really is. But I don't see anything that tells me that Tampa has an edge over New Orleans at this point. Um, It just seems like New Orleans has got their number.
4: Exactly. Hey, Roy, exactly. you know, uh, you know they, uh, uh, just to follow up with what you said about uh, David Jones, uh, or what is it, Daniel Jones, the uh, the Giants almost beat the Eagles. And uh, the mm-hmm. Giants have been very close in several other games, and now they play the Eagles this Sunday. So, you know, I, I think now maybe the Giants are uh, beginning to gel and it'll be interesting to see uh, how things go the rest of the year. But I will say this. I think Jason Garrett has done a great job uh, with the Giants offense, and I think he might be a better head coach than Mike McCarthy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure that I'd argue with that. uh, In fact, I won't argue with that. I think there's there's plenty of validity to that. Yeah, look, I think he's done a a great job with uh, the offense. Uh, He's got a young quarterback no offensive line that first the line's beat up it wasn't that good to begin with uh they've lost their best player in saquon barkley so uh there's not much Mm -hmm. on the outside to throw to they they just don't have a lot of talent but i think they have played some pretty decent football on the defensive side and the offense is you know it's just enough to to give you some problems it's just enough to give you fits here and there and um that's what they've done it's what they did with tampa it's what they did with the, the eagles so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I I think this is obviously a big game for the Eagles. Um, They Mm -hmm. have to put it all together and face a team that's probably developing some confidence. Uh, I saw a stat today, and I'm going to get this wrong, so I'm just going to be very general about it, but there's something along the lines of the the Giants' losses, you know, are uh, other than one or two or or a combined total of like six points or something. I mean, they've they've played close games, and they've played well at times, and they are a team that they're not ready to break out. That's not going to happen. But are they good enough to win a horrid NFC East? Absolutely, they are. They're good enough to win a bad division because, you know, it's anybody's division there. Uh, as long as you've got a quarterback who's getting better, and I think Daniel Jones is, um, despite the lack of talent around him, uh, I-, I think you've got a chance to, uh, to win that division. And I don't see anybody getting better at that position uh, outside of outside of New York. I, I really don't. I mean, it, Carson Wentz is just he's just not doing it. He's not getting better, and and that's a problem. Tommy, Tommy certainly is
1: not. Right. You're right. The big problem. What I noticed in the game, the Buck game on Sunday night was, I mean, the, the missed tackling once again, the, the um, defensive backs are being like toast again, and you're right, because right, losing that key offensive tackle on the right side, maybe he had you know, Tom Brady had no no time at all to get rid of the football. Do you agree?
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, his time was cut down dramatically. Uh, look, you expect Tristan Wirth, the rookie at right tackle, to have some trouble, especially against Cameron Jordan uh, when he's facing him. Uh, at some point, Donovan Smith, the left tackle, has to step up and play at the level of his contract. Uh, nobody's asking him to be a Pro Bowler, but they're paying him no. just below that. In terms of his salary, and you've got to play to that contract. He's not playing at that level, and and that's hurting this team. Again, look, this is a team that uses its tight ends a lot. He's out there on an island by himself at the at the left tackle spot. It's tough. He's a he's a he's a good player, uh, but he, but really he's only an adequate player, and and adequate's not going to do it um, most of the time. I think what I think the Bucks, based on the way he's played this year. They got a tough decision to make, but I, I, I think there, there's a good chance that come next year, they're going to end up moving Tristan Works to left tackle, or they're going to go draft a left tackle and start all over with that line. Because if you get maybe a first round pick uh, who you know can play the position better, and uh, put him at left or right tackle, and you've still got Ali Marpet developing, you have a pretty good line now. Um, but uh, you're right, Tommy. They're just Tom Brady. Uh, didn't have time, and, and we found out again that, you know, and we've seen this before, when Tom Brady doesn't have time to, to set and throw and, and scan the field for his uh, his options, he's just like any other quarterback who doesn't have time to set and throw and scan it for his options. <laughs> he looks bad, and he makes mistakes, and he's forced into mistakes, and that's what happened. As far as the defensive play, Going back to, to Roger's
3: the... point a minute ago, and I, I, I sort of have to agree, and Roger, you follow the New York Post as I do almost every day, and I'll tell you that the media in New York is really uh, coming down very, very hard on the Jets and the Giants, and they're saying that these two quarterbacks that they put all this faith in are uh, not great. At they haven't had good teams to play with, either Either one, either the Jets or the Giants, but, uh, you know, they're really coming down. These two quarterbacks have to show something, Roger, in the next two weeks, or, you know, they may not be available.
4: Well, that's right, Don, but especially the Jets. I mean, you know, they they had that game won, and then they let it get away with them, and uh, Flacco uh, went for the bomb, and you just don't do that when you uh, want to run out the clock and take time off the clock. I mean, and that was the
3: interception that
4: led to the winning touchdown. But
3: Right. Let me, let me interrupt you and, though for a second, and, Roger, uh, and ask you this. And, and I, I looked for this in all the newspapers uh, over the last couple of days, and I couldn't agree with you more. First of all, their game of possession was almost lost in the second half. And that bomb that he tried to throw is exactly right. But what I wanted to see somebody say is, who made that decision? Everybody said, well, Flacco did this. Flacco Does Flacco make the decision? Did he decide to throw that ball, you know, 40 yards downfield? Or was it the offensive coordinator that set the plays in?
4: I don't know. That's the question Neither that we I not
3: I mean, I, I, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. I I just, uh, and he threw it into double coverage. Not only that, he threw it into double coverage. It could have been intercepted by either one of those two players. Exactly.
4: I I don't know. um, (laughs) I will say this, that Joe Douglas, who's the general manager, assume he used to be with the Eagles. He uh, has built up a lot of draft picks. And he's got a lot of high-round uh, draft picks coming up in the, in the next draft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens the rest of the year and then uh, how the draft goes.
3: Roy, the other thing that we talked about it was the aggressive defense uh, of the Bucks and the way uh, they made that transition. Unfortunately, uh, you know, the aggressive defense – has left those middle zones, as you said, for Breeze to just absolutely kill the Bucks. <laughs> yeah, you're
2: right, and um, you know they didn't even blitz that much this past week. They they were aggressive, um, but they just didn't look. They just didn't play well. I, I think the biggest problem the Bucks had against New Orleans um, was was not was really not not uh, over being over aggressive. To me, it was a lack of ag- aggressiveness, and, and this is what I mean. Up until last week, when the Bucks' defense has played exceptionally well, they have done a great job of not only blitzing but rallying for the ball. You know, getting 11 hats on the ball carrier, whoever that is, uh, or, or the, the pass catcher. And uh, they didn't do that against the Saints this time around. They they played kind of soft. They kind of laid back a little bit. Um, the whole idea was to just, you know, I think they're thinking this was old Tampa too. It was you know, make them go. Uh, make them go 12, 14 plays downfield. At some point, they're going to make a mistake, and we're going to take advantage of it. Uh, just keep the ball in front of you, and don't give up the big play. Unfortunately, they were giving up the big play while uh, allowing. Uh, they, they were just uh, dropping back too far in the secondary, and and made it too easy uh, for for Breeze. And they couldn't develop enough of a pass rush to to move mm-hmm. Breeze. I mean, they only hit Breeze three times. Sacked him once nudged him, really, three times. Um, so it, it wasn't a good effort at all in terms of uh, what had become a bit of a staple in the Bucks' defensive play was aggressiveness, either as blitzers or just rallying to the football uh, once it's out there. So um, to me, that was the biggest issue. That's easy to get back to, but, uh, you know, there's bigger problems here. As I said, I, I wonder if these – if somebody's found something – with these young secondary, young players in the secondary that uh, they can take advantage of, because again, it's two weeks in a row now, the teams are taking advantage of uh, this young secondary. And if Carolina can yep. do it, um, without Christian McCaffrey, well, then 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 it's uh, it's a, it's a five alarm fire.
1: Oh boy, yeah,
5: right. When you take a look at it, uh, McCaffrey being out, uh, the uh, Carolina is winning more than when he's in. So hopefully he'll be in on uh, Sunday and and he'll lose. But the other question <laughs> is that I understand Marpet uh, it may be uh, available as of uh, Thursday, um, off the uh, um, uh, percussion. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Uh, Con- protocol. Concussion mm-hmm. uh, protocol
2: yeah 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 they're hopeful of that um it does sound like uh, they think he's close and yeah he doesn't need to practice at all this week really to be ready um that's kind you know he's smart enough and, and fit enough to, to be able to go um so even if he doesn't make it thursday I, I think there's still a chance he'll play that's good news um but hey it's a concussion guys and and those linemen are ba- banging heads all night long so yeah um you know you worry about that uh but there's no doubt that, look we've talked about this with Tampa Bay. Um, they're deep in so many spots. They're deep at running back, deep at wide receiver, deep at tight end, deep, at, deep, deep at, uh, a defensive line, offensive line, not deep. And we saw that it might just be one guy. If you lose one guy on that line, uh, everything falls apart. It's a bit of a house of cards there. And, uh, um, you know, they, they can prove, prove otherwise, um, uh, by playing well uh, this week. And, uh, We'll see what happens, but um, no, you're right. If they can get LMR fed back, that's a big boost for them. They should run the ball a lot better uh, and protect better, and really that that's, that should be all they need to do to beat Carolina. But you know what? That defense has got to show up, and it's got to get aggressive again because uh, sure. if Teddy Bridgewater is given time, he'll complete 70% of his passes and uh, in a game the way he's done most of the time this year, and he'll run all over the, the map too, so. Uh, you got to watch out for him. He is a weapon, and um,
3: he's, he's a better weapon when
2: Christian McCaffrey's in there, although, as Frank pointed out. Well, i tell you, I really root for Rule
3: way. a little bit because I've seen a, a number of Carolina games this year only because of Rule. And, and you know, he did such a great job of turning a, a program at Temple around. Then he went to Baylor and to, did an outstanding job down there. And then he got this job for phenomenal money in Carolina. And, uh, he, you know, he's lost six games, but he's lost six games that have really been tough. Roger, I don't know if you've uh, followed him closely at all, but two or three of those games, he was right there until the last two or three minutes.
4: Oh, I agree with you, Don. I think he's done a great job, and uh, and I also agree with uh, Roy from what I, I, I've i seen at Teddy Bridgewater. I'll tell you, you know, you've got to give that kid a lot of credit. We thought his career was over when he had that uh, really unfortunate, big, bad injury and boy, he worked his butt off to come back, and, and really has done a good job. He's, I give him a lot of credit.
2: Yeah, I'm with you uh, on that, uh, Roger and Don. I, I, yeah. First of all, on Matt Rule, look, he's done a real. He's been in a position to, to to have a couple of upsets here, and things just haven't quite gone his way. Um, but that team is getting better, um, mm-hmm. and and you're right about. Look, I'm not a big Teddy Bridgewater fan. I, I don't know that the body can take a lot of pounding at this level. Um, right. When he runs, he's dynamic. Yeah. I mean, he, when he runs, he's dynamic. But, boy, oh, boy, he, he's got to be smart and make sure he avoids the hits because the body just may not be able to take that kind of abuse. But I'll tell you what, the one thing he's proven to me as an NFL quarterback is that he is as accurate as they come. And uh, if, if he's given time, he will absolutely slice you apart. And – uh so you really got to be sharp with him uh, defensively. Uh, you got to know your keys. You got to know your spots where you got to be. You got to be disciplined in your coverage, and, and you got to get a pass rush after him to move him around, and uh, and you got to contain him. So he's a weapon,
3: and uh, he's becoming more and more of a weapon each week. Right. And you really got to be really. McCaffrey's had a, he got yo know, hurt, and he missed a couple of games, but he played last week and did not do a Did not really stand out. But uh, he should be ready to play this week. Should make it much more interesting to see how he does coming back. Yeah, it, we'll see how that goes.
2: Um, I, I don't know if uh, Matt Rule's you know, kind of playing old Bill Belichick kind of games. I mean, he's he's trying to make it sound as if they're going to be without McCaffrey, um, which, again, that's, that's a big weapon. We're, we're, you know, for, you forget about the record with him and without him right now. But he's a weapon. I mean, he, he can break tackles, and right now, as Tommy pointed out, the right. they're not tackling extremely well. Um, he's a weapon all over the field, and uh, he, he and McCaffrey, yeah, McCaffrey, he and uh, uh, Bridgewater together. Uh, that that's a tough duo. That's a tough combination to to beat. Again, to beat. So, um, it, it, I, it'll be it'll be a better game with McCaffrey, but um, uh, it'll be an interesting game no matter what because again, the Bucks have to bounce back. Well, let's
0: hope
4: he plays.
2: Roger, you're up. Well, it'll be
4: interesting to see some of these other games uh, coming up, uh, you know, this week, too. We talked about the uh, Giants-Eagles. The Falcons seem to, uh, with Raheem Morris, they seem to be uh, now turning it around a little bit. And it'll be interesting to see how they progress in the second half of the season,
2: uh, you know, in the NFC South. Yeah, and and you know what? If look, if things go the way, well, we don't know that's going to happen, and let's hope it doesn't. But uh, hope it goes. You know, we can stick with the normal uh, playoff uh, pool. But if they do go to the 16 team playoff pool, all of a sudden you got a couple more spots for teams, and you know who knows how that's going to work out. So, you know, what we've created here is with that potential of that 16 team playoff pool. It seems like Carolina, Atlanta uh teams that are struggling giants i guess um you know not the jets certainly but uh you don't know i mean if we if they go up a full season and they somehow at some point you know in a couple of weeks here decide they're going to go with a 16 team playoff pool uh all of a sudden you got different teams in there and it, it's going to be make it's going to make it interesting you're going to have some you know some sub 500 teams in the playoffs but hey uh that's not unusual. We've had that before. So, uh, you know, the more the merrier, some say. I'm not in favor of it. But uh, if this is the year you got to do it because of uh, the uncertainty regarding the COVID situation, well, hey, some teams could benefit.
1: Hey, Roy, i got a question for you. Do you think that was a class move by the Saints that put Jameis Winston in their last two plays of the game?
2: Well, I look, um, it, it's one thing that – we know about the Saints uh, and their coaching staff is when they got a chance to 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 take a shot at the Bucks, and if it means embarrassing them a little bit, well, you know what? They'll embarrass them a little bit, uh, and and that's exactly what I think it was all about. It's like you know what? We're going to put the guy that you didn't think was any good anymore uh, on the night when your quarterback's having the worst night of his career, perhaps. We're going to put right. our guy out there and let him take you know assume the victory uh, formation. Uh, so, hey, you know what, um, That's one. <laughs> to the victors go the spoils, and to me that was a spoil. Uh, I-, I don't know that it was classless or-, or low class, it's just one of those things that when you're winning, uh, no sense to have the-, the top guy out there, that's for sure. And, uh, you know what, you got a weapon in Taysom Hill, so, you know what, put James Winston out there, let him get a snap or two
3: Right Really, when so you talking about that, plan uh, plan talk how about an assessment you? on, you know, both Miami and, and, and Buffalo, the Bills, uh, both of them continue to move along And, uh, you know, maybe they're a little bit better than people thought at the beginning of the season I,
2: I will say this. Uh, I think uh, Miami, it, to me, is of all the teams that really no one expected anything from uh, this year, Miami, I think, has made, to me, maybe the biggest leap. I, I, I like right. what I'm seeing out of that football team. <laughs> Look, Tua is finding out that that's not Tennessee out there every Sunday, and, and that's a bit of a shock to him. You, you can almost see it in his body language. Um, when things don't quite go right. But, uh, you know, watching him uh, develop is, is fun. Watching that team develop is fun. Uh, they've got, and, and I believe they've got a, a nice cachet of, uh, of draft picks coming as well. Um, they've done a pretty good job there of building some pieces, and uh, I like where they're headed. And um, I, I like the young quarterback. He's uh, you've got a strong arm, as we know. He's very mobile. He's uh, He's healthy that's the most important thing is he's healthy uh, and, he, and he's starting to look good. He's, he's going to have moments where you you shake your head and he's going to make some mistakes because he's just not used to seeing, uh, he's not used to some of the adversity that he's facing down after down now. Um, and he's going to deal with that, but he's a smart kid. And he'll figure that stuff out. So um, I really like what they're doing in Miami. I, I think that team, uh, to, look, as the AFC East, now becomes a bit more of a wide-open fight. Uh, The Bills are clearly the the top team there now. Um, But still, uh, the Bills almost lost to Carolina last week. And uh, so, you know, we'll see. I I think this is a team uh, in Miami that uh, could surprise some people. That's one of those teams right there that, you know, who knows, depending on how things go uh, with this playoff pool, uh, they could be there and they could could throw, throw
5: some trouble at somebody. Roger. Right. We, haven't, we haven't talked about hockey yet, and uh, I understand that uh, we're coming up very shortly to the uh, – the, the, they made the announcement that they're going to be starting a camp uh, very shortly. Uh, do you have any information on that?
2: Yeah, well, again, the, the target date is January 1. Um, they're hoping to start the uh, the camps, obviously, 1st of December at the latest, I think. Um, and and good. There's some there's still some things that haven't been decided, you know, are they going to have a, uh, an all Canada division? What are they going to do about, you know, how are we going to be in bubbles, uh, fans, things like that. A lot of things still have to be decided, but it's starting to look like the NHL is going to be the first, um, real test case here, uh, during what, what clearly is, uh, uh, rapid, uh, ramp up in this, in this COVID thing. I mean, the, the, the numbers are just crazy guys, uh, you know 60,000 cases uh, a day now, well over 100,000 a day. Uh, hospitals mm. in some places are at the max, more hospitalizations than we've had since the whole thing started. Um, it's a tough time to be thinking about trying to start a, a season, but so I think they're probably mm. going to start it the way they ended it last year in kind of like a bubble situation. Um, they might go to a thing like baseball did and just stay within the division to try to limit travel a little bit. Um, but uh, it looks like they're going to give it a go, and um, you know, once that happens, well, it's kind of cross your fingers and hope for the best. But uh, hey, anytime you hear that uh, a, team, a league's going to try to give it a try here, it's encouraging. You hope uh, you hope they're doing it safely, but uh, anxious to see some hockey. I, Tommy, I don't know if you noticed it or guys, I don't know if you saw it, but it was about, about probably about the time that Don was turning turning in last uh, Monday night that uh, I, uh, I tweeted out. Uh, uh, or Sunday night, I guess it was. I tweeted out, uh, when's hockey season start? Boy, do I miss hockey. <laughs> 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 hey, <wow. laughs> Great news. Roger?
4: Yeah, the, uh, we also uh, we have to talk about some of the other events uh, coming up. I know the last uh, half hour, it'll be about uh, Don's favorite topic uh, with sure. Doug Hamilton and the Masters.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: Looking at a young Scott Van Pelt interviewing Tiger right now. Boy, I'll tell you, that's wow. when he had hair. It's when I had hair, too. It's when Don yeah. had hair, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, guys, we've talked
2: about the Masters, now. and that's starting up. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But uh, I'll leave you with that, guys. And uh, as always, uh, one of the best half hours of my week.
3: Uh, we'll we'll, we'll, talk, to, we'll talk with Dave Hamilton about this, uh, Roy, had, and because he's our resident PGA and uh, joins us usually the last half hour of the show. But, but I read something today, and maybe you've been aware of it or somebody on the show's been aware of it. I, I never heard of it. They're talking about, first of all, the rain that's coming through. They're going to have rain forecast for almost every day of the four days. Uh, they're talking about the softness of the turf and the players that have played practice rounds over the last couple of weeks. But more importantly, today they talk about that this club has a sub-par system, I mean, sorry, sub-air system, which will hmm. uh, eliminate the, the water underneath. I, I never heard of a sub-air system on a golf course. Did you? No,
2: that's, that's news. I mean, I, I know all about it uh, in baseball stadiums, uh, certainly football uh, fields. Uh, it's kind of become the norm that you've got this. Uh, it's amazing right. how it's done. I, I, mean, I, I mm-hmm. basically it's like you know the the the, the turf drains uh, into a like a pan beneath the the primary turf and, and 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 it's you know got little you know
3: drain pipes
2: that take it off the, the the off the field. Yeah, this is gonna this is gonna
3: take all the water, all the moisture off the fairways, and uh, that regardless of how much rain they're gonna. I never heard of this stuff. So. I mean, well, I'll, as I say, we'll talk to guys, the resident pro in a couple this. hours.
2: I'll leave you with this, but you're right, Don. It's fascinating stuff, but I'll, I'll leave you with this, guys. Considering what we're getting here in Tampa Bay right now, that wind and rain is going to be a problem. That is gonna, It's going to be worse than any uh, British Open you've seen, I'm thinking. I, I'm just guessing. But the way this mm-hmm. thing appears to be headed, and as big as this storm is, as wide as it is, I think you could have some trouble uh, up there in Augusta. Uh, I may be wrong, but um, and I hope I am. I hope the weather's great, but uh, it, it could be uh, could be pretty interesting the first couple of days. Well, Jim is going to have a tough
3: time keeping that driver. He's going to have a tough time keeping that driver in a fairway. I'll tell you that if it's that windy. <laughs> no, absolutely. All right, guys, oh, we'll do it again next week. Have
2: a great week, Roy. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Fast. Appreciate you having having me on.
1: Always a pleasure. Wow. That's something else Tom, for the fairways. You can have anything try the fairways underneath the, the ground. I never like you said, I never even heard of it. I, I never heard know.
3: of it, Tommy. I I gotta be yeah, honest with neat. you. When 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 Doug gets uh gets old ones we'll talk about it, but I, yeah. I don't I mean I I can't imagine it myself. But uh, I'll tell you. I guess we're coming up. we coming up on, uh, on the Outback Bowl next. Is uh, are we ready to go?
5: Yeah, Mike's not Mike available jumping. right now. Mike's not. Okay. Yeah, he's not. He's not available. All right. All right.
3: Well, I wanted to talk to him tonight too because well, we could talk about it while we wait for the next guest to line up. But have you seen the number of games uh, that have been canceled this weekend? And they yeah, just yes. announced they have they have the virus. They're canceling their game. Uh, but there are a wow. host of college football games that are being canceled, and it looks like Ooh. this uh, the virus is really starting to move around.
5: That was one of the big problems with the uh, crowd uh, storming the field after the Notre Dame game on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. They were afraid that uh, that was going to spread like a wildfire. So far, uh, according to the AD, um, they're still playing.
1: Mm. That's, that's so well, they Navy certainly did storm the field.
3: Mm-hmm. We can talk Force about was that, too. I mean, that was, a, that was a, one heck safe. of a college football game. Oh, it was. So it was. Go ahead, Roger.
4: No, I was just going to say, I think Navy, uh, Air Force, wasn't that postponed last weekend?
3: hmm I think it <laughs> you know, was. I think Air, Air Force was lived, last yeah. weekend, and this they weekend it's Navy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think
1: you're right about that postponement. But
3: also, you got Arkansas, you got Texas A&M. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it, I'll tell you, it's starting to creep up. It's going to be interesting to see whether they can finish the season with all the, you know, with the way the virus is jumping around now. Uh, just, just
1: hopefully, they can finish that season. Well, the next awesome. thing is
4: to uh, stop uh, allowing fans in the in the uh, stadiums. Simple as all that. Just,
3: that's a, that's a well, I was a little out. surprised. Uh, to be honest with you, Frank, you you're a lot closer to the Notre Dame program than we are. You go out there for the games and, and uh, have an association with it. But I was a little surprised at uh, the present day that uh, they didn't have more security around the field to let those kids jump out of the stands. And I mean, they oh. actually mopped. The, they mopped the field. I mean, there was a room for a, the players couldn't even get off the field. I mean, it was unbelievable.
5: Yeah. It. Um... Generally, the, the, um, both the, the state police and the city police uh, ring the field. Uh, unfortunately, when you've got uh, 30,000 people, because uh, they were able to go to a, to a third uh, of the stadium, uh, coming down at you, it's just impossible to have ca- ca- crowd control. You know, it's, mm. it's not like the old days in, in Philly where we were able to, to ring, the, uh, ring the stadium uh With the horses in the outfield, so that uh right. keep everybody off the uh, off the field <laughs> but that 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 uh that's not you know you got to remember uh although the university is a very big part of that city that city is not a does not have a very big police department, and all these the townships around there are uh, anywhere from uh, eight to twenty four guys uh per squad so um they just don't t- don't have the uh, manpower to to be able to do that.
1: Mm. Well, that's something else. That like, yeah, way, guys, remember this dog. I remember watching Eagles Championship game, and Brett Must Brett said, "This dog's not ring tin <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> Right.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, you know they've been so conscious of basketball, which is a much obviously a much strong, smaller facility, and you don't have you know, you maybe have 16,000 or 17,000 or whatever it may be in a, in a college facility. Uh, and they've been very stringent about not allowing this, you know, announcing it and making sure that everybody mm-hmm. understood you can't come out of the stands. You can't come out of the mm-hmm. stands. We're going to be, we're going to be uh, severely repram- rem- rep- uh, rem- Have We let these people come out. Uh, and, and, uh, so I was just surprised that the, what happened, I mean, listen, I realized that they would be the number one team, what, since 1958 or 68 or something like that. And, uh, I mean, I'm amazed at the celebration and all, but
5: holy cow, I never thought they'd get that many people on the field. Yep. I didn't think Guys, either. We're joined by a, a good friend of, of the programs, a, a fantastic uh, member of the, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, an all-star, uh, Mr. Bill Bergey. How are you guys doing? It's always a, a, always always a, a pleasure program.
4: Bill Burns number sixty
3: six. What a great day to have him on too because we got an Eagles Giants game coming up on Sunday. Always the highlight of any any Eagles game during the season is always always the Giants and the Eagles or the Cowboys and the Eagles. And Bill, it's you me. played in a lot of them. But this is a different this is a different era for the the Eastern Conference right now.
7: You know, it really is. And uh, at one time, guys, uh, in Philadelphia, we used to say thank God for the New York Giants because we would get those guys twice every year and then would lose all of our other games. And there was one time that we were, I think, seven wins in a row against the New York Giants. And then, lo and behold, up came the uh, miracle of the Meadowlands when Herman Edwards scooped up the ball and went, uh, I don't know, about 40 or 45 yards for a a touchdown, and we won that one. But uh, the only thing we had going uh, for us at one time was the uh, New York Giants. And lo and behold, here a few years later, uh, we got the Giants and uh, (laughs) New York – playing against each other. And I'm going to tell you what, believe it or not, we're in uh, first place. We are 3-4-1 and one halfway through the season. And I'll tell you mm-hmm. what, this game scares the living daylights out of me going up yep. to New York.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. It's a lot of good players. Me too, Bill. Teams up there. I'm just scared about this game. These Eagles could play Eagle football like, like you did when you played, Bill. Determined football, then they can win. But yeah. Bill, in a, in a side story, uh, I just had lunch with one of your with with one of your gym buddies today. Nick Chaffey is, is in town today. We had a good lunch talking about talking about yourself, sir. <laughs> so,
0: good. And,
1: and he's, he's, he's suffering for the hurricane now. He says, "I'm playing you with a hurricane, Tommy." I said, "What else is new?" <laughs> he's playing with the weather, <laughs> but he but he said to we me say said hello to you, so. it. So he's fantastic up there, but. But I, I, I just think the Eagles are, you know, this it, it, getting the this this going to get in the dance. Once you get in the dance, you know, anything can happen. And I, I think the Eagles are going to get in the dance and maybe end up be playing in the Super Bowl. That'd be wonderful down here,
8: well, Tampa. <laughs>
7: I'll tell you what, guys. I I've told you this, and I've been on your uh, radio show several times. You you know the bottom line in this whole thing is you try to win every game that you're supposed to win, and you steal a game here or there, and mm-hmm. uh, you get uh, you get healthy uh, towards the end of the season and stay healthy, and then you don't really know uh, what the heck is going to happen. So if uh, the Eagles can get their health back, and we've got some players coming back, you know, we might have a crack at this thing. I I don't know if we can go all the way or not, but uh, this game of pro football, it's really a, 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 a funny business, and you just never
4: know what's going to happen. Roger? You're right about that, Bill, and especially this year when you have, uh, you know, like Tom Brady uh, being at Tampa Bay and, and uh, what, getting uh, clocked you know, by the Saints, and I never saw Tom Brady look that bad in, uh, in his life, in his career.
7: And,
0: and if
4: I can throw others, another like one my...
7: at you, if I can, but I, yeah. and I don't mean to interrupt you, uh, what about uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers undefeated going into Dallas, playing against like a fourth-string uh, quarterback, and, you know, they Dallas almost won the game. So that's how crazy this darn uh, game of ours is,
4: it's and extreme. and also uh, the great job Sean McDermott's done at Buffalo as the head coach, and look at how great they are, Bill.
7: Absolutely, and I've had a a chance to talk to Sean McDermott with him at uh, at uh, different times, and uh, you know I just think he's a great coach and. For them to uh, beat the Seattle Seahawks last week, uh, that was a, a big feather in their cap. And, you know, I think the Buffalo Bills are on their way to making some
3: uh, good stuff happen for them.
4: Oh, I do too. And I think
3: he's well, a
2: great
3: I have to coach. Agree with you about I have to agree with you about this giant game because uh, this is either really a, uh, a make. The Georgia's brought this team along. a sort of a make-or-break weekend. If they win this weekend against the Eagles, Uh, They're back and they beat Washington twice. It'll be so there'll be three wins, and uh, you know if they lose, the season's pretty much done for them.
7: Well, you know something? It's 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 really crazy. Halfway through the season, and uh, the leader in our division, which I guess they call it the NFC East, not the East (laughs) anymore.
0: Uh,
7: I I cannot believe that they're not even at five hundred. And they're they're talking about maybe six wins could win this stupid division. And to me, that's the most bizarre thing I've ever heard in my life. But you never know if somebody's going to get hot and somebody's going to get rolling. You don't know what's going to happen. But it is crazy beyond uh, words.
0: <laughs> yeah. It sure oh,
1: is. What, what you can you do about that? But, but I, I just think with, with the Eagles right now, they should win this football game. Get back to 500 and start playing Eagle football from here on in. This guy, you know, championships or, or or one in November, December.
7: That's exactly right. And, and the one thing I can tell you right now, and I, I've chatted with this guy a couple of times, and uh, I really like him an awful lot. Uh, our, our quarterback, our leader, our $128 million man, he's having trouble right now. He's trying to do too much. He's got to kind of let the game come to him. And uh, if I would have any advice for Carson Wentz, just play within yourself and don't try mm-hmm. to do more than you really need to do. And uh, I think right now that's the reason. How many, I think he's leading the uh, – NFL in interceptions, he's fumbling the ball. He's just trying to do too much, but uh, he's a great kid. I really like the daylights out of him, and I just hope that uh, he kind of snaps uh, back into it. Roger? you
4: Yeah, well, he, I agree with you, Bill. He is a class act and a really good person, and I hope he snaps out of it too. And But I think a lot of it is the uh, t- uh, transition, or uh, of the, the player roster, you know, where every week he's got different guys in there, and I think when you didn't have uh, training camp and you haven't had much time to spend with uh, these new players, that uh, it, it takes time. It, you know, you're, you, you 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 know, quarterback throws the ball into a zone and expects the the uh, the player the receiver to be there, and it's all timing. And, you know, if he makes one false move, I mean, it throws off the timing.
7: And I hope that he gets coached up a little bit more than he's been coached. Uh, You know, Frank Reich, uh, the guy that's in uh, Indianapolis right now, he would love to have Carson Wentz more than you can possibly imagine. And Mm -hmm. uh, he and Carson uh, Wentz, they were on the same page. I don't know if uh, he and Doug Peterson – are on the same page or or not, but I really hate to see when things are kinda of going down and out for him and he's over on the sideline, he's looking at the uh ten by ten uh pictures uh off the film uh and he's by himself, that just kinda of bothers me a little bit.
4: It bothers <laughs> me too, Bill. There's no there's no no coaching there at all between plays.
3: Bill, mm-hmm. let me ask you this: When uh, when you were playing, it, it happened as well. But uh, do you agree with the head coach being uh, as Reed is, for instance, in Kansas City? Do you agree with the head coach being the man that calls the plays, or are you like the offensive coordinator to call the plays? Or what do you? How do you? How do you approach it? Well, you know
7: something. First of all, I was on the other side of the uh, line of scrimmage. Right. I was on uh, defense, <laughs> and I know that uh, Dick Cory. And uh, Dick Vermeil, they called the uh, offensive plays, and that was uh, fine with me. And I do know that Marion Campbell, who was our defensive coordinator, he called uh, our defensive plays, and there was some times I challenged him, and there was some times that I really got uh, the living uh, daylights uh, chewed out of me because uh, I challenged him. But, uh, you know, every everybody has got their thing in uh, uh, to do, and, you know something, there there are times, believe it or not, it's not a perfect science, guys, and there are times when, uh, you know, I would just like to have just a quarterback out on the field getting the flow of the game and the feel of the game. And, you know, a guy like Brett Favre just calling his own plays. And, uh, you know, I have said so many times that uh, – Professional football is really an easy game that is made mm-hmm. so extremely complicated by coaches what? that at times mm-hmm. it just drives me crazy.
4: It drives me Roger. crazy, too. Oh, I agree with that. No doubt about it, Bill. I think, you know, I think sometimes coaches get in their own way. Mm-hmm.
7: And you know something that's just the way it is and that's uh the way we have to accept it too guys and uh but uh anyhow I still think that we have the greatest game in the world and you know this covid thing and uh no fans and all of that it's just driving me crazy but uh you know I I I just I love professional football and I used to say the only thing I knew anything about was uh pro football, and then there was one heck of a lot of Sunday afternoons. I didn't think I knew a damn thing about that
3: Ooh. <laughs> you got I, I can tell you too, i i I can tell you one thing bill you you had a chance to block off that middle because today you can't touch anybody. I mean if somebody comes across the middle and you hit 'em you're you're done, you gotta fly. You know,
7: something that's a big bingo, too, and uh, it just drives me crazy. And I don't want to sound like, uh, you, know, you know, the old-timer uh, way back in the uh, olden days, but, uh, gosh, if a tight end came across your area in that uh, middle linebacking uh, area, you could take his head off. Uh, if you blitz the quarterback, you know, you could nail the living daylights out of him, and now you can't hit him high you can't hit them low, you can't land your body on them, there is only a little spot between like uh, the chest, the lower part of the chest and uh, the upper part of the waist that you can hit and that's it and uh, that kind of drives me crazy too but, uh, you know, it is what it is and they want to keep uh, players healthy and all of that stuff but, uh uh, anyhow, I still think it's the greatest game in the world.
4: It's a, it is, Bill, you're exactly right. And, you know, as much as they change it, people still love it. And we'll all love it. I mean, uh, I'm thinking about even back, you know, when, uh, the championship uh, game in 1980 and that, that season, the, did the jaws get the call most of his own plays, or did, uh, Dick, or as you mentioned, Dick Cory called them all.
7: No, it was Dick Cory and Dick Vermeil. They they called the plays. Now, Ron Jaworski that year he was the NFC Offensive Player of the Year, and he was really in a groove. And the the thing the thing when we went to the uh, Super Bowl in 1980. The bottom line was we we did win all of the games we were supposed to win, and we stole a couple of games, and we got hot at the end of the season.
0: Mm-hmm. But
7: guys, our bottom line was we really stayed healthy, and I don't think anybody had as much as a hangnail on our our uh, team. Now they say, well, then why in the heck didn't we win the Super Bowl? Well. The thing of it is, uh, we had everything zeroed in on defeating the Dallas Cowboys, yes. and Dick mm-hmm. Vermeil never talked about the Super Bowl in 1980. He was only talking about one thing, and that was, guys, you've got to help me. We've got to overtake the Dallas Cowboys. We've got to find a way to beat the Cowboys, because if we can't do that, we'll never go uh, anywhere. So, anyhow, after the game, we had won the game. The score was 20 to 3, not indicative of the way the game went, but uh, we had absolutely beat the daylights out of them. It could have been 45 to nothing. It was that bad. Mm -hmm. And then in the locker room, everybody was really going crazy. We accomplished what we set out to do. We were so fired up, we were so excited. And then it was almost like, guys, it was an afterthought. Oh, by the way, we have another game. And they just (laughs) happened to call it the Super Bowl.
0: (laughs) And we went down to uh, New
7: Orleans, and we kind of dumped in our hat. And we could never get back to that same level of intensity, uh, excitement, and all of that stuff again. And uh, so we came up a little bit short. But uh, we did get the Dallas Cowboys like we wanted
3: to. (laughs)
0: Let me ask you this about the
3: one thing that really bothers me not just football, but sports in general. Uh, you know, this video replay now everything you got to go back and look at it again and again. There was his knee, uh, was his knee down three inches before the goal line and the ball was still in the air. Uh, you know, at least they got away with the, with the passing at first we don't have to go back and look at that every time. But, uh, What do you think about using the replay so much? You know, I
7: remember uh, Paul Brown, who I played Mm -hmm. for for five years in Cincinnati. They never had any of these uh, replays. And I remember him always saying, well, we've sent five plays uh, this week into the NFL. We've sent uh, six plays into the NFL. We absolutely were 100% right every single time. The thing of it is, the game is so fast now that uh, the officials, the NFL officials, just can't keep up with the game. So, you know, I don't like uh, the instant replay, but guys, it's something we absolutely have to have.
0: Oh Got to live so with you,
5: it. You just uh, hit on hit the nail on the head on the officiating this year across the board, whether it's football or hockey or basketball, seems to be a lot less efficient, a lot less um, um, upfront front than, than ever. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Do, do you think the officials are doing a good job, or do you think that they they really do need to have some more training?
7: You know something? I think they're doing the best job they can. And, you know, back when I – Played, and I don't want to sound like Neanderthalish again, but uh, back when I played, uh, the NFL officials—they'd come, they'd officiate the game. When the game was over, they'd fly back to Louisville or wherever they had to fly back to, and then they they uh, they went back to their uh, their second job. Well, now they have got the NFL officials making it a year-round thing where they're paying them more money and all of that, but uh, it still doesn't uh, equate, guys. It just isn't the the, the same. Uh, and like I said, I think the game is just too fast for the human eye, and they
3: just can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. A, I think, Bill, you and I talked about Paul Brown oh, maybe at least two or three times that you've been on with it. We talked about Paul Brown. Uh, you know, he was just a, he was just an individual who was so far ahead of his time it was unbelievable. And, yes, he uh, was. He and so-
7: uh, he had he invented the face mask. <laughs> uh, he he was he was a, a real innovator of the game. Uh, you know, Paul Brown he wanted his players married. He wanted his players to have children. He didn't want to have his players that had little love nest down, downtown. Uh, he really, you know, I learned so much from the guy, and he was he was really, fellas. He was a great man. <laughs> he would encourage us to go to church on Sunday morning wow. before we played football Sunday afternoon. I remember it was just like yesterday he would run all the way on out to a wide receiver and tell him to take one more step a little bit farther to the right for, I don't know, whatever reason he, uh, he said that, but uh, he was a real good man. Now he had Mm -hmm. this thing called a constructive criticism on Tuesday. And you didn't want to be on his bad list because He would put you down so bad that, uh, you would just sink so low in your chair. But by gosh, if you did good, I remember one time we were playing Buffalo and we got beat 16 to 13 in about a foot of snow. And, uh, anyhow, we were going into this meeting room guys and I'm telling you everybody is scared because everybody knows they're going to be ripped. And, uh, The first thing he said, well, I'm going to get started with Bill Berge. And I'm going, oh, "Oh my gosh. And I'm just (laughs) sinking in my chair. And he goes, Bill, I want to tell you, if you played like that every single week, you would be an all-pro, hands down, because you never knew what he was going to say, hands down every single week. And uh, now all of a sudden I'm sitting up high to where everybody can see me. And then he says, that was the good part of the game. Now he tore into everybody else. And I'll tell you what, that was the kind of guy he was. But I've got to tell you that I did love the man.
4: (laughs) Well, he was a class man and and a class act in every way. And um, like you said, he invented the face guard. I mean, he was so uh, visionary, Bill. And the whole game of football. I mean it it's just unbelievable. Yeah, and the one
7: thing they said was uh he he was as tight as tight can be and he wasn't uh you know, he uh he paid everybody their fair share and all of that and you know the one thing I can tell you guys about uh Paul Brown is, you know, I was the, the, the second round pick out of Arkansas State University. Okay. And, uh, you, you know, he gave me a nice little bonus. He gave me a nice little salary and he got me started in my life's work. And, uh, for that, I'm always going to be grateful for the guy.
4: Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Bill, I think the <laughs> other
3: thing we can talk about for a second, uh, staying with Paul Brown for a moment, uh, a lot of young folks, uh, you know, we're, we're a lot older than most of the people that are listening to the program. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when he was with Cleveland and he started to shuffle the guards in and out and he called all the plays, I mean, nobody did that. I mean, he, and this is 50 years ago. That's right. And
7: you know something? Uh, My roommate was one of those guards uh, along with Pat Matson and Guy Dennis. They went uh, back and forth and every single game we would get delayed. We would get nailed for delay of game probably two or three times if we had Paul Brown's guards doing that today, he would probably have a delay of game like probably eight or ten times a game. I mean,
0: <laughs> and Paul
7: Brown would get so mad when they would say, hey, another delay of game, and you know, you can do that as much as you wanted uh, to do it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That,
4: that's
1: something that's a great changing point, the
4: be. Because you're right. That's exactly the way it would be today, with the lay mm-hmm. of game when you have the shuttling of the guards. Absolutely.
7: Mm-hmm. Hey guys, I enjoyed my conversation with you. Do oh, me a thanks. favor, have me on your show again. I really enjoy yes. it. You guys are very astute. That, Bill. You
2: that's
7: guys are very saying. astute to what you do. Uh, very knowledgeable and. uh, I've got some people in the other room that I have to get to, but uh, you guys oh. carry on, and you guys are the best.
3: Thank you, Thank you so much. We'll certainly have you Thank many you. times. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Wow.
4: Another another great evening with Bill Bergie. I love it. Yes, oh, sir. Gosh. Yeah, as I
3: say, when we talk about some of these things, I always like to go back and say, you know, because so many people listening have no idea what, you know, what they did in exactly. pro football in the 50s and 60s and that type of thing. Especially, yeah, who, who you know, Paul, Paul
4: Brown is, right?
3: Yeah, Paul Brown and, you know, Jimmy, Jim Brown and how he made all the calls and how he did everything and uh, mm-hmm. how far he was ahead for the most part of, of all the other coaches in the game. Uh, but, you know, most people that are, you know, forty years old and under they, they really don't know much about Paul Brown at all.
1: <laughs> oh god, what a gentleman. Wow. And he, he
3: he goes to Cleveland, coaches
1: the Browns up, and Art Modell made the biggest mistake in the world. He fired a legend Paul Brown. That's that was just so that was just so sickening. That was just so sick. I wasn't up to the time. Paul Brown of the
4: Browns Cleveland Browns who coaches Jimmy Brown.
3: Yep.
1: That's yeah. right the that. other
3: thing was Phil, as Phil as Bill just indicated, which is one hundred percent true, I mean when he created uh you know, when well, he had to leave the Cleveland Browns and create his own organization, uh money was always the biggest problem. He was not a right. uh, he was not someone that wanted to spend a lot of money. Mhm.
4: And wasn't used yeah, what- to making the money that uh, that he was making now, Don and you know, in those days well- as uh the TV revenues took off and everything else.
3: Absolutely. Oh yeah. He was, he was pre all that. And when he, you know, when he created the Bengals, why, uh, you know, he just didn't have a, a, a giant pot full of money to, you know, spread it around that, that some of the other teams had, he, he won early on there, but uh, then it started to catch up with him when he wouldn't spend the money. But it wasn't because he didn't know the game and he didn't have, you know, the ideas that he had and his, Bill just said, if he said six or eight plays back into the uh, NFL office, six or eight plays were right <laughs> and were wrong.
1: <laughs> That's for sure, but you know, you, did the Bengals start in a high school stadium, guys? I I know they did. Remember, they started at Cincinnati's one top high school, and the Bengals had playing play okay. in the stadium, because River Riverview Stadium, you know, was not was not built yet. And that's a question I was going to ask Bill. Playing in a high school stadium, you know, how does that affect the fans? You're that close to the for the, for the players up there. So I'd be next question I asked. Bill All right, Bill right. I'll I'll Mike
3: Simzak is ready to to jump in. Oh, and uh, good. the only team the only team that the Giants can beat well the uh, Washington and we have to call them the Washington football team now. We can got to be very we got to be very careful to be socially conscious here about this Washington team. But uh Giants have two wins, and both of them were against Washington. They got the Eagles this week. So, Mike, give us give us, give us us a little update if there is anything on Washington.
8: Look, I want to start with this.
3: The Philadelphia Union
8: won their first Yeah, there first. we go. Roger, I tried to call you so that you
4: could be oh, part of this. Oh, I know, and I apologize, but I got your text. And, boy, I'll tell you, I, I wish I had talked to you Uh, It's just been a very busy time, but I appreciate that.
8: The Philadelphia Union won the Supporters' Shield, their first major trophy in MLS. (laughs) Uh, After 10 years, they finally won a trophy. And it's fitting that it was for the best team, the best record in 2020. That's what they need. It's a lot like Jim Cur- and how they won it two nil victory over or, uh England the Revolution. Mm-hmm. There can be no uh, there there can't be any uh, conversation about whether or not Jim Curtin can win a big game because that had been a big one. So the Philadelphia Union home field advantage throughout the MLS playoffs. Mm-hmm. Best season this year. And they finished up nine nine wins, zero draws, zero losses at home.
3: So wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it's great for the union. At least you got check flag up there now. <laughs> Something Roger, I
3: thought you'd be all to... over that. Right? You follow that? You follow that team closely, Roger? <laughs> I'm surprised.
4: Oh, I, I did, and I and I watched it, you know, because uh, Mike had called me, but I've been so wrapped up because of packing and uh, and moving and things like that, and I was I did mystery shops again, so I was out on the road. And uh, but I was so happy that he called me, and and it was a great game, a shutout, two nothing, right, Mike? Yeah, and, and that was what they
8: needed. Uh, Jim Curtin has, has has emerged as one of the best coaches in MLS. Big knock on him has been: can you win a game when needed to? Last year he won a playoff game. This year. They needed one win to close out the supporter shield. And they won it 2 nothing with a backup goalkeeper. Wow. And exactly,
3: Mike, right. anything, else, anything else in the world of soccer that we ought to touch on right at the top?
8: Uh, no, I, I want to go with the Philadelphia Union, who 538, whose statistical analysis I really trust. Philadelphia Union 25% chance Better than anybody else In the league of winning the MLS Cup They're not wow. the best Team in the league But they're the most balanced team in the league uh, I know That I haven't always been Positive on them But right now
4: this is a team You need to watch Yeah That's, that's the way I look at it too Because they really have surprised and uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time haven't we mike 10 years 10 yeah. years
8: mm-hmm. and oh, to cool. see them lift the trophy if nothing else happens in Philly sports this year that's an accomplishment let, let, let right. let's say that the Philadelphia union lifted their trophy for the best record they were the best team over the course of this 2020 season, and it wasn't easy. But they, week in, week out, display the ability to be the best, most balanced team, and they're mm-hmm. fully deserving of the trophy they got. I only wish that you could buy a T-shirt that says uh, Philadelphia Union Supporter Shield Wears." They deserve it
4: maybe they maybe they have one available out the check.
8: no, I looked.
4: I can't find oh, one. oh did you so I would have
8: bought it on uh, I would have bought it on Saturday if I could have
4: oh yeah, that'd be great oh. you to have it
8: w- right away mm-hmm. now, the other thing I to talk to you about is uh Westkins ain't got a quarterback or i'm mm. sorry, the Washington football team. Does not have
4: a quarterback.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: Wow! Is...
8: They decided that they're going to go with uh, after Kyle Allen got the dislocated ankle. They're now going with.
4: Uh, uh,
3: You said dislocated
2: not ankle?
8: Dislocated ankle.
3: Wow. So where do they go from there?
6: Mark
8: Smith. Not For Dwayne Alc? Haskins. Out Smith. They're going with Alex Smith, not Dwayne Haskins.
1: For the Redskins, back, and, to, back to 4-1. <laughs> mm-hmm. For for that Washington football team's back to score one with Alex Smith as your quarterback. And Mike, is Washington is that Washington football team still in the division hunt?
8: They are closer to the division hunt than anybody else to the Eagles. Um,
3: it's, who do you, you like know, in the Eagle Giant game this weekend, Mike? I like the Eagles.
8: I saw the Giants throw everything that they had, the Washington football team, and I saw Alex Smith come in for an injured Kyle Allen, and Alex Smith threw three interceptions. Oh, jeez. Well... New York
3: had New York had had the Eagles on the road. They let them back in the game. What was it, twenty to three, at one right. point, and then it wound up it wound up close. But it was the Giants had the game in the bag for a long time. They they just gave up in the fourth quarter. Right.
0: yeah.
8: Of the subject, fifty plays that the Washington football team ran on offense, right. Right, thirty-nine of them were passes. Nine wow. of them were rushes. Mm. They got out. They a have... twenty-three lead, and the Wash and the Giants just said, "We're going to run the ball. We're going to take the game out of Daniel Jones' hands." And they were mm. right. They were able to outlast them. Mm. Al Smith was throwing the ball around, and he inflated his stats by the fact that he was just throwing the ball around. Mm. But one one touchdown, three interceptions.
1: Wow, that's not too good. Well,
3: do they do they have no legitimate running game at all that he would throw the ball that much? I, I don't get a chance to see them play, so I I'm asking you questions because I don't have any idea the answer.
8: They could have a running game if they decided they would. When you have fifty offensive plays, thirty-nine of them are pass plays. Nine of them are rush plays, and the rest are you drop back and get sacked, whatever.
0: Oh jeez!
8: It became very apparent to me that they weren't even trying to run. Put the ball in Alex Smith's hands and see what he can do. And it didn't work. It didn't work. It fundamentally mm-hmm. did not work. They lost to the Giants, twenty-three to twenty, in wow. FedEx Field.
1: Mm. It's not, not pretty football, Mike. When your quarterback throws two interceptions. Bit,
8: not a bit. So when you ask me, what are the Eagles going to do? A competent Carson Wentz
4: That's a good question Eagles. Mike I don't think uh, Anybody knows the answer
8: now, A, a competent get
4: Carson Wentz Can
8: get the Eagles past the Giants This weekend And a competent Carson Wentz Can lead the Eagles to A NFC championship Now I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Win the NFC champ- uh, when is, winning the NFC East this year, sort of like being the world's tallest midget.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, like I said, I said right. before. Like what I said before, you you just play one game at a time, and then you get in the and then you clinch the championship. And the playoffs a whole different story. It's any good than in the playoffs.
8: I, I I just hope that the Birds can get there. Um they should be able to win the NFC East from here. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with how good they are. It's how bad Washington, Dallas, and the New York Giants aren't.
5: Like they're really not that good. Hmm. My wife, who's Mike, was if it makes you feel any better, hard. Bill Burger just called me. The, uh, the um, what was it? What, what do you say about the uh, the the um, NFC? NF, oh, the uh, least. East. NFC is the least. Of the East. <laughs> NFC least. Uh, yeah, that's
3: right.
8: Frank, my my wife is a diehard Washington football team fan. mm-hmm, she just corrected me. She's she's a Redskins fan. She doesn't know what the Washington football team is. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we're, we're not we're not I'm allowed
3: we're not, not allowed, allowed to say that anymore. Boy, you can't say that anymore. That's a,
8: a very very all yet, but,
3: of that that I said about the Washington football team. Um,
8: uh-huh. I'm about to get divorced.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. We don't want that to happen now. Come on.
3: <laughs> you no, just got married. Get you can't hey, get divorced hey, that you, quickly. No,
8: no. It, we're, we're, we're good. But she just wants to remind me that they're still in with the shot. And they have the capacity. And that's what's funny about this. Like, as you just said, they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't fully believe that, but if that's what they want to believe down here, I'm good with it. It makes my life a whole lot easier.
1: <laughs> it's fantasy world down there. If they think Washington's going to the Super Bowl, they're thinking fantasy, fantasy football. Down there. That's what they're thinking up there. Good Tommy, God. I am
8: not ready for the Washington to be involved in the Super Bowl. I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. They're like, I'm not sure that this deep Washington, D.C. is ready for that.
3: I think well, I'll tell you, I, Bill Berge was on just before you, Mike, and I, I have to say that uh, I sort of go along with him. I think that this is a week that's imperative for the Giants to win. Uh, I, I just don't think that they want to have the season over, and it will be if they lose this game to the Eagles. Uh, you might as well count, just start moving players away because they're they're out of business. So I I think this game is more important to the Giants uh, than it is to the Eagles. I don't know. We'll we'll see you, Roger. What do you think? <laughs> That's what I thought you thought. <laughs> yeah, Blake. What do you think?
8: I I, I think Roger one hundred percent agree with you. I would one hundred percent agree with you. If the Giants can come out and beat the Eagles, that is a major statement for them as a team mm-hmm. moving forward. Yeah. Right. That's the win that they're looking for. That gives them proof of concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are we have the right quarterback. We have the right personnel. yes, we know we need to build around them. But if they beat mm-hmm. the Eagles right now – um that is proof of concept. They're competitive and they're competitive in a season that they didn't think they were going to be competitive. It's the same thing with the res- with the Washington football team. If they go out. Yeah,
3: but the- Mike, it's more important for the Giants because to me, you know, the Giants have cut along. You, you look at the draft choice that they made when they picked up the quarterback. It was very controversial. It was very controversial all last year. They didn't think that he grew as the season went along. It's now in the same position this year. Only he's he's done only uh, one season. He's a season a season and a half, and and the improvement has not shown. So it's more important for him because he's got to show something these last six or eight uh, games. Otherwise, he's going to be gone.
1: Well, it's
8: important, in Don. You're exactly right, because that's what I'm looking at down here. Uh, Dwayne Haskins started the first couple of games this season. Then he got pulled for Kyle Allen. Now, Kyle Allen goes out, and instead of going back to Dwayne Haskins, they go to Alex Smith. So, what I'm seeing is basically... Dwayne Haskins' career as a first-round draft pick for the Washington football team is over. Now he falls into that nebulous that is backup quarterbacks, right? You don't know when you're going to get a shot. I'm actually very very happy for Daniel Jones at this point. Like he has an uh, a team that's behind him, who's willing to yeah. see what he can do. When I'm looking at, at, at um, I'm looking at Dwayne Hoskins. and saying like, "You've got the talent. Yes, you've made mistakes, but you could go out and do it." And he's about to be casted off, and he's going to end up in that nether world. that is NFL backup quarterback? Who wants to pick you up? That's exactly right. That's
3: exactly right, because look at the history of the league. The history of the league is you get a year, and then you get into the second year as the number one quarterback, and then if you fail, you're relegated to being a backup quarterback somewhere else in the league unless the quarterback ahead of you gets hurt and you're forced to be into the game as a a number one quarterback. That's the history of the league. Mm -hmm. I
8: still I think that Josh Rosen from UCLA has legitimate starting talent. I know that I will never see him play starting quarterback for the NFL. And Dwayne Haskins is
3: in that
5: route. Roger Roger,
3: you agree or disagree with this?
5: He's on the line, but he must be off.
3: Okay. Uh-oh. Oh, Tommy. <laughs>
4: I was on mute. My fault. I was on mute. I've been listening to this. <laughs> I put it on mute. My, Mike, uh, I have another question to get uh, get uh, get on the subject, but off the subject. Uh, ha- is there any discussion on uh, changing the uh, name of the Washington football team and giving them a new name?
8: Yes, there's a lot of discussion but I guarantee you it's not going to happen until after a season.
4: Oh, I know that. I mean, it's, yeah, but I mean, what, what are some of the names and, and what would you say probably is the most uh, prevalent?
8: There's a lot of discussion and whatever is the most prevalent, I don't agree with it. I don't care what the most prevalent is. Um, I can understand why people are upset with the Redskins' name. But, and I understand, that's a history. I'm not in favor of getting rid of it. And I don't think whatever names that I've heard, uh, be it the Red Tails, be it the Red Wolves, be it whatever? Mm-hmm. No. Um, my wife just suggested Washington Warriors, which is already the
3: uh, – Going back to Roger's question, what is the most prevalent name? I Let's say they have three names that are dominating at the moment. What is the number one name that the, 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 the folks around Washington want to see used on the club?
8: They don't have a clue.
3: They don't it have one. one. Okay.
8: Well, they wow. don't have one. My wife is trying to tell me they want the Warriors, but that is the name of the basketball team. It's not. Warriors. All right. <laughs> Honey?
1: What's she saying?
6: Hi, guys. How about
4: the Apache?
6: Nope, that's not going to work either. Sorry to burst your bubble. But oh, apparently no. the question is, and of course this is just from myself, my family, my friend group, you know, people that I know in the area. If you were to ask us the name that we as natives of this area would be most happy with, it would be the Washington Warriors. Yes, I completely understand and do not disagree that there are some people out there that find the name that shall not be used to be offensive, and therefore right. if one person or anyone feels that it's offensive, then it needs to be addressed. So though that might be my history, I have pictures of myself in a onesie as a six-month-old with that you know, logo and name on it that right. shall not be named. Right.
0: We won't use
6: it, and I understand it needs to be changed. But if you were to ask, you know, natives, locals of this area, the name that we are likely most in support of would be the Washington Warriors. It would be in alignment with paying homage and respect to the industry, to the heritage, and the namesake of the organization. So, yes. That's Absolutely. a good <laughs>
3: description. That's a good breakdown. Mike, I'll we'll tell you name? something. What we ought to dump you out and put your wife on this show. <laughs> oh, no.
8: What, good, what's guys. your wife's name,
0: Mike?
8: You can have Sonia on any day, the week, and twice on Sunday. Oh, so,
4: okay, Sonia. <laughs> Sonia, you were Sonia. marvelous. So, you know, that was great. And, where did you grow up in the D.C. area, Sonia?
8: she she, is, she
4: they want to know where you grew up oh.
8: She grew up in Tacoma Park, Maryland, but her
4: her, her Oh, okay. Parents broke. Yeah, well, she, the yeah. Uh, uh my late wife taught uh over in Upper Marlboro when I was on active duty.
8: She's currently the dietitian for the Pentagon. The whole Pentagon.
4: Oh, holy smokes. Whoa, that's a big job.
8: That's great. Well,
4: so great she, Mike, you're blessed. you're blessed. You're blessed. Yes,
0: you're blessed.
4: I know, Very I know. And,
8: and when she says that she wants to interject her opinion on this, that's why I let her do it because.
4: Absolutely. Well, sure. I'm not going
8: to argue with her. She's right. Mike is <laughs> always okay. right. Don you Frank and I can to relate to correct.
4: that yeah right don frank and i can relate to that uh statement right. you just made okay, okay. right frank <laughs> right don absolutely we keep our mouths shut <laughs> <Yep>. sure
3: <laughs> i think i think next <laughs> I week saying. you know, the only suggestion roger that i can make is next week we'll split the time between his wife and himself they
4: one of the two is going to oh, give us. I, 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 one of the two is going to give us a her. great
3: twenty minutes. Right.
9: Is
4: she on your show on Monday night, uh, Mike? Is, is she no, on the I, Monday night show, Mike?
8: No, she 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 avoids that one. Uh-huh. She, and she just said she avoids it like the play. But the Monday <laughs> oh, night no. show is fun. <laughs> it is. It's good the Monday night show is fun. Well, we're uh, fun too. We,
3: Mike, was she there with you this weekend to celebrate the, the, the win and the trophy for Philadelphia? Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. So, um, so she's a Philly rooter, too.
8: She doesn't like it. <clears throat> but uh, I took her up to a game. The first probably the first live soccer game that she ever watched. And the first live soccer Now, please understand, when I met my wife, I, I told her, I'm a huge soccer fan. I'm going to need you to get used to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said she had nothing to wear. So, I got her an outfit, and we went up to the Philadelphia Union. And she sat down on the rail, and she yelled with the best of me and enjoyed the game and had a great time. And that was when I knew this was the woman that I needed. The right one. Yes. Oh,
1: that's fantastic, Mike. That's a great story.
8: So, yeah, she, when we watched the Philadelphia Union, when she was as invested as I was. Oh, that's great. she, she you know, I can what remember
4: my first soccer game, too. Uh, it was in uh, 1977. My son was six years old, and I was watching it. In, uh, were they still in veterans playing with park. bricks, Roger? <laughs> Don knows where Veterans Don,
8: Park were, were, were they still playing with a soccer ball full of bricks?
5: Yeah, yeah they were trying to make sure that the uh, dirt was dry, Mike.
1: That's
5: yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> Oh, my God. Brought but, back no. memories.
1: Oh, soccer's such a great game up there, guys. I, I remember I had the opportunity, Mike, and everybody. I saw Pele play against the Tampa Bay, the old Tampa Bay Routers, Rodney Morris, oh, and listened to Bulls and go. Oh, but Pele was fantastic. Oh.
4: Well, well, well you know, uh, we talked about this a little bit over the years. I mean, Don and I are familiar with it uh uh, but Mike, uh, let me tell you that uh, you know Mercer okay. County, uh, where Don and I lived, and and uh, uh, it's a big soccer uh, mecca, and has always mm-hmm. been with semi-pro and and uh, and women, and uh, we Mercer County College, and then I was on the committee for a number of years. We did uh, the uh, national junior college soccer championships from all over the country. Phoenix, yeah, what is it, Yavapo? Uh, fluorescent uh, in uh, St. Louis, they were the big, big ones, and we used to do the uh, uh, games on WPUD And I can mm. remember doing the play-by-play at ground level, uh, doing a soccer game. And I got to tell you, it is not any fun because you know. <laughs> uh, then what they did was they moved this up. Now they have a press box, but they moved this up on this on the uh, shed. Uh, So we could uh, see it. And I got to tell you, David Brody is still thawing out from that game. (laughs) I have
8: watched a couple that I'm still thawing out from. Uh, Years ago, Mm -hmm. I had to watch a union game. And it's sub-zero temperatures. And this is why I'm I'm like, y'all won't go to playing games in November, December, because it's right. cold.
4: Oh, yeah. It's cold. Well, the, the, late, the late Henry Clay and I were at the last game at um, Memorial Stadium, uh, you know, because they were going to open up cans and yards. And, you know, they used to have those uh, pulled-down plastic screens to, uh, mm-hmm. to uh, try to break the wind. But I got to tell you, it was a, su- a Sunday afternoon, and, a, you know, a Colts game, and we were freezing. I mean, you know, it took us a long time to throw out in the car going up 95 after that game. Wow. That's, uh, that's unreal. Well, Mike, thank you
1: for your time. We have Doug waiting to talk about the match. Have a great week, that.
8: Mike. It was great. To yeah, uh, to your I'll, wife. I'll drag my wife on next week because I'm pretty sure she'll uh, uh, do
4: a better we'll, job we'll than I you, would. Mike. <laughs> uh, you're we'll both great, ready. and, and they're, you're a great couple. You're blessed.
3: Yes. All right. Bless you.
4: Thank you, Mike. All
3: right, Donshire. You take care. Have it. a
4: great week, Mike.
3: Mike. Mike, give your wife warming up in the bullpen, so if you get a little dull next week, <laughs> not next week, or <laughs> week after, we can bring her in, and that'll lighten <laughs> no, up the show we'll, we'll so at least people in won't anything. fall asleep. We'll her
8: in. <laughs> yeah, right. She's right. the closer.
1: <laughs> She's a closer. Okay. Well, Doug, this is your the
4: closer.
3: closer.
1: There you go. Yeah. Oh. Well, Don, this is your favorite part of the show. So, take it away with with you and Doug Hamilton.
3: Is Doug re- is Doug ready
5: to go? He's been ready. I told you five minutes oh,
3: ago. Oh yes, okay. away, Doug. Right okay. away. Well, I, I got a couple of questions for you, Doug. I asked we we talked okay. about this a little earlier uh, in the first half hour. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of it. Of course, we're talk We're going to talk about the Masters this week. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. the story of the week. But in the New York Post today, it says that the uh, w- which I had never heard about it. That the clubs. I don't know where did I find the damn thing I had before? Okay, the cl- Here we are. The club's sub air s- system. Mm-hmm. will keep the the fairways from moisture and they will be a much better uh, surface to play what is it what is a sub air system
9: uh well um aside from not having a degree in agronomy um my <laughs> my my well my best guess would be it's i would assume it's very similar to Uh, When you watch, um, I watched the building of the new uh, L.A. Rams Chargers um, Stadium, and they put, you know, heating coils under the ground to keep the field warm to, you know, all that kind of stuff. So in a lot of cases, uh, golf courses, um, you know, from a technology standpoint, I mean, years and years ago, for instance, you know, you walk down the center of the fairway and you would have a semi-depression where uh, you would have sprinkler heads that the – superintendent would come in and he would manually uh, screw those in and then the water would, right. uh, through his ir- irrigation system, go. Now they just have these little pop-ups that come up when you program them and, and, and use an app on your phone to, you know, say, hey, look, we want to throw water on this hole, you know, for eight minutes every whatever, you know, the time frame is. So what you're talking about is a, a scenario of drainage uh, where, you know, in the event of, of heavy rains, um, there's probably some version of matriculation that this water goes into some system that uh, keeps the, you know, from forming uh, standing water. So that would be my best guess.
3: Yeah, uh, but you're talking mm-hmm. a golf course. I mean, uh, I can see a football field because, of, you know, what mm-hmm. they've done for a number of years now is have the quick drainage where you, you know, you sure. don't have any problem. Uh, but a mm-hmm. golf course, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> 18 holes and you get a sub area. Well, I, you- I, Yeah,
9: keep keep in mind that, you know, one of the best uh, possible, um, you know, soil situations for golf courses, it's going to be permeable uh, so that the water and nutrients can run through so that your roots can grow down. Um, You know, in most cases, that's going to be a sand base. But what you're talking about is Georgia where you have a lot of that red clay and it's not, you know, quite as permeable in that sense. So they probably had to. In lieu of the fact that they didn't have good drainage, uh, based on the soil and, and the composition of, of what's under there, to you know, need some enhancement, that's probably why they did it. But now, again, that's 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 a educated
3: guess there. Well, I don't know if all these things are going to help. <laughs> Chambo, but I, I i mean if the weather conditions and certainly the wind I think is going to uh, mm-hmm. although he's not going to the forty eight uh, uh, he's, right. he's going to play with the same driver he's been playing with, although Bickelson mm-hmm. is going to forty seven and a half but Nick right. is staying at forty eight or staying at forty seven or forty seven mm-hmm. and a half whatever but just mm-hmm. to give the listeners an idea the number thirteen uh is a five hundred and ten yard hole. Now, in the practice round last week when he was playing, he hit his drive in a pitching wedge to a 510-yard <laughs> hole. <laughs>
9: yeah. Yeah, that's – well, uh, Mr. Ridley was on uh, earlier, you know, talking about, um, you know, the, the governing bodies of golf, the USGA, et cetera, that, uh, you know – with with the advent of of innovations in, in golf clubs and golf balls and and uh, the modern athlete and all the different things associated with increasing distance in terms of how far they're hitting it, um, you know what can you do as a golf course to combat that? Because you know if, if you put Chambeau on the golf course that Jack Nick, Jack uh, Nicholas won, um, you know he, he wouldn't he wouldn't need to hit. You know what I mean? He'd be hitting driver pitching ledge into all these holes if that, you know. So obviously, over the course of time, you know, the the course has changed, uh, very similar to what you know technology has given them. So they've had to lengthen the golf course and, then, you know, terminology they they had called it tiger proofing there for a while because of how far he was hitting it. Well, you know, DeChambeau is quite an anomaly. I mean, he, he hits the ball further than anybody, you know, for the most part. Right. I mean, there's other 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 guys in the field that. Uh, they can
3: really, you know, get after it. Cameron Champ, uh, for one, and 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 a lot of those guys. I mean, um, well, Rory, Rory's up to one ten now. He, he he's <clears throat> jumped up and down his uh, well, you know, his his speed off the club is at one ten, so he's up there with with the big hitters. I mean, a- Adam Scott is you know no spring chicken, but I
9: mean, you know, he was the leading driver last week at, at the Houston event. Um, you know, hit, hitting it, you know, three some three hundred and something yards, so. You know, he switched drivers to the new Titleist TSI. He switched the brand-new Pro V1X. Pro V1 are in play. They've only been in play for about two weeks. Um, So he switched uh, golf balls as well as as his driver, and and there's a lot to be said for, you know, that increase in distance for a guy like that who isn't exactly a long hitter. Uh, So you look at some of these guys that that have that kind of ball speed, that have that kind of swing speed, and you you throw some different technology at them that increases every year and – you know, it you have,
3: you know, the formula for driver pitching ledger on a lot of these holes.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I really You know, that.
3: Jack Nichols has talked about it. Tom, you ought to jump in on this, too. Jack Nichols has talked about it now for a few years. And, you know, the game is outpacing itself. And yeah. maybe they should, should change the golf ball so you can't mm-hmm. hit it 400 yards and, and come back to playing what golf was all about execution of right. clubs and shots and yep. so forth. You're not getting that now you're getting a 400 yard drive at a an eight iron to the green. I mean, it's, it's well,
0: right.
3: you know, I'm that's, sure that's you the,
9: you know, um, Don, that, that, that's what we're talking about with, with, um, you know, the governing bodies of, of golf that have to come to this crossroad and say, you know, you, you have a scenario where you have these PGA Tour players and your elite players, let's just say, uh, that hit the ball um, increasingly further every year, yet you know, you, you take a 510-yard hole and you put a 20-handicapper on it and, and, and what is he doing there? So, if the new standard is you're going to make these golf courses longer and more challenging to combat <laughs> the innovations, you know what I mean? You're, you're going to I mean, you're, 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 you're kind of working against yourself in terms of who's really playing the game for the reasons they're playing it, you know, and that's where they are in terms of what the narrative is and the crossroads of saying, you know, for many years, you know, we talked about tee it forward. We talked about, you know, moving up a set of tees. We talked about pace of play. We talked about etiquette. We talked about all these things uh, mm-hmm. that, that the, the country clubber or the public golfer or the, you know, the – the normal golfer is going to play, I mean, how many, what percentage of people that play the game of golf can actually break? Let's say 90. I mean, what is that percentage? I, I can't imagine. Very few. Very more, few. More than what?
3: 5%. What can we say?
9: Maybe 20, 20, 10%, 20%? If that. So now you going to, to say
3: 10, 10%, I think would be high. Right. Right. So now you're going to, you're going to take a golf course and do what?
9: You're going to lengthen it for what reason? You know what I mean? To to host a tour event? You know what I mean? I don't know. I mean, it's 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 an odd scenario. I mean, the, the reason why these manufacturers are making these types of golf clubs and golf ball and technology is for that 90% of people that can't hit it out of their shadow.
6: You know, because they <laughs>
9: need that technology. I'm just saying they need that technology, right? You know, I mean, on a 510-yard hole, what are you going to hit? You know, you're hitting a driver, and most guys – of 15, 20, 25 handicap, are going to hit it how far? 200 yards? 220? Right. Tough. Absolutely. Right? So now now what are you looking at? You're still looking at almost three bills to get mm-hmm. into this hole, and you're going to hit your right. great with what? 180? Right? Now now you have a, a par four that's 510 yards that you got got 100 and what, 20 yards left? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, now, you know, now you're hitting another a third shot. And if, if you, if you miss the green, you know, you're making five at best, probably six,
0: you right. know, so there's your, you
9: know, um, you know in addition look, to, you know, the undulating greens, the speed of the greens, the pin placements, all those sorts of things are going to complicate, you know, actually getting the ball into the hole. So, yeah.
3: Well, this DeChambeau has to worry about, you know, a, a, a 375 yard hole. <clears throat> because for him, 375 yards, it's a drive, and a, a, you know, now, let's say he's got he's to gotta have a, a good, not a right. not distance-wise, but he's got to have a precision right. drive. But well, you're talking about mm-hmm. a drive that's start putting. I mean, you know, right. you're going to reach the green.
9: Yeah. Right. right. How he's many can do a, that? Yeah. He's going to hit a flip wedge or a pitch or, Absolutely. or possibly not close. Right.
3: Yeah. Tell, Tell me. me. Yeah, it's just
1: it's just saying about that. Doug, what about the weather conditions with this tropical storm here in just off the Tampa Bay coast? Um, yeah. It, what happens if it goes right to Augusta? It could be like early mm-hmm. April and Augusta, instead of beautiful November weather there. It's going to, yeah. that's going to be play, play a big part in the tournament.
9: Well, I mean, obviously, time is, is of the essence. Um, you know, with, with darkness, um, you know, now, now that we're after daylight savings time. You know, I can assume where, where are we getting dark now? It's, I mean, here in, in Maryland, it's got to be right around 5 o'clock-ish, you know, so you might get a few minutes more in, in Georgia maybe, but but still, let's say 5.15. So they're combating darkness by putting people off of uh, 1 and 10 to, you know, run that uh, crossover style so they can get everybody done. Uh, certainly, if, if weather becomes an issue, um, no. you know, they don't have a whole lot of extra time, Um you know, in terms of, of preparations to the golf course and, uh, you know, and certainly, you know, Don, to your point of, of Bryson DeChambeau and how far he hits it, I mean, you know, uh, not not getting as much roll. I mean, it's going to be predicated pretty much on, on carry and how far these guys are, are hitting it in the air because uh, it's not going to roll a whole lot. So um, guys that hit the ball extremely far might have a bit of an advantage here. Uh, and then, you know, if you're the first tee time versus the last tee time or somewhere in the middle in the weather conditions, uh, you know, oscillate uh, between windy or cold or wet or whatever. Uh, certainly, that's going to have a factor uh, on some of those, as you've seen over the years in the British Open. I mean, guys that go out in the morning might get a calm, you know, start, and guys that play in the afternoon or whatever later on might, you know, catch the wind. So, um, certainly, that that's a that's right. a tremendous factor in you know determining the champion of this.
1: It's a great point, Doug. What's our tip for the week for for people wrapping up the season in Maryland? They're coming down mm-hmm. here to Florida what's
9: your tip of the week for? Yeah, every week, you know, Frank patches me through and we, we talk about kind of uh you know, what's, what's happening around, you know, the country club and, you know, what's going on. And, and uh, you know, we, we actually have um, uh, next Saturday, the 21st, we have a uh, three club tournament that we're going to do just kind of for fun for some of the members that are uh, sticking around. And, you know, as I always say, as we make this transition and, uh, the cooler weather, um, Maryland and, and states uh, likewise. That you know, w- once you get on the other side of, of most of your club tournaments um, and kind of wind the season down, it's always fun to uh, just, as Don had mentioned, play play the game for a little bit of fun. You know, we're going to play a three club tournament, which wow, <clears throat> always kind of lends itself to people making some strategic decisions before they even get to the to the tee box, which three clubs will you take? You know, um, you know, a lot of people are steadfast on taking a putter because it uh, certainly makes a, a tremendous difference um, in the outcome of that, but then it obviously limits you to not being able to use it elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I, I personally believe that you have to take some version of wet with you because if you get into a bunker, you know, that's a big problem if you don't have the ability to get out of it. Um, I don't think I would take a putter. Um, I think I would go – probably sand wedge seven iron and i'd probably take a hybrid um Ooh. that i could hit off the tee or you know second shots on par fives or something then i could also maybe hit shots around the green or even putt with it um you know Ooh. so it'll be interesting to see what, what some of these individuals take but to me the the essence of, of playing that is uh, to put play, play the golf course in a little bit different fashion obviously than what you're used to and to have a little mm-hmm. bit of fun and and obviously uh, lighten your load a little bit and, and go for a walk and, and only have to really carry three clubs and a couple golf balls and, and some stuff with you. So, um, you know, instead of, instead of that grind, if you will, of, of tournament or or having bets, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's a good kind of a spin, if you will, in the game and, and a chance to, to play it in a little different light. So um, I guess that would be well, my Zaga,
3: tip. Doug, you're – at uh, your, uh, your club, do you use the winter front greens or do you use the regular greens?
9: Yeah, we, we in my um, 16 years there, we've only gone to temporary greens. Um, I think we did it at least maybe once or twice. Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, by and large, mo- most of our members aren't uh, cold-weather fans. I know that we, we close entirely in the month of February uh, for that reason to kind of give the golf course a break and to, to keep people off of some of those greens. Um, you know, in large part if you if you catch a couple months or a couple weeks, if you will, even of um, cold temperatures, you you'll 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 get some of the ground that freezes. Um, you know, it, it could freeze uh three, four, five, six inches down and then you catch a nice day in mid to late January where it's fifty degrees and you might catch a little fall and what happens is You know, people walk around on all those uh, grassy spots, particularly the greens, and you get root shear because, you know, you've you've got six inches of frozen and two inches on top or an inch on top that's not. And the ground will shift um, as you walk on it and and become problems for uh, the roots growing down there. So um, (laughs) we we close during the month of February just just because of that typically. Um, You know, as we transition into that, you know, springtime when everything kind of, We'll eventually get green again uh, with some help there.
1: Wow, well, it's interesting. I've been, you know, I've yeah. played all year round down, up there. I know when I live. off of course, I played. I played all. I played all year round. I was rolling green. Mm-hmm. And yeah. number one round, it was raining, snowing, sleeting, and the sun came out. That's right. all in one round. <laughs> mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> Put the golf of course. He also, yeah. he also uses those French balls, J
3: <laughs> right. right. Well, before before we leave the before we leave the Masters, that switch over to the ra- Ravens. Uh, mm-hmm. Let me ask. You, let me ask you this: right. Who are you picking? What player are you picking, or two players are you picking mm-hmm. to be in the top row? Yep. Um, you know, it's
9: funny. It's a uh, good one question. Member, yeah, one of my members uh, decided to have a Masters pool uh, where. Um, there's, I think 35 of us that got in. And so his, um, you know, rules or procedures, if you will, are everybody got a random drawn out of the hat pick of the, of, of the top 35 golfers in in the world. Um, unfortunately I, I got a crummy pick. I got Mark Leishman from uh, Australia. So I'm not happy about that. But then your second pick was, was anybody that you wanted to pick. And so I picked Patrick Cantlay, who, um, was, was in contention, uh last year in fact he went all the way down to the seventeenth hole and made a couple bogeys there. He was finished well. I believe he finished uh, maybe ninth. Um so I, I he was my pick. Um you know I think if if you're looking at, at some of this obviously I think the, the favorite is, is DeChambeau, uh as we mentioned for how far he hits it. Um, you know, I think uh, there's other guys that like John Ram and, and, and some other, you know, individuals in that are in there. I mean the the sentimental pick would be Tiger Woods to defend, um, you know. But I, I'd like to see um, Dustin Johnson, um, I think, strikes me as somebody who uh, can get himself together. And he's, he's obviously an extremely good golfer, uh,
3: been the number one uh, ranked golfer in the and, world. And so. Plus, he's uh, coming off a yeah. hot week last week. He finished second last yeah. week. So it
9: yeah, I think he's made, He made a great run started.
3: last week, but didn't quite get there.
9: Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a fan. I, I'm a, I like Dustin Johnson. I like to see him. Um, you know, put that green jacket on and, and uh, rightfully take his place
3: as, as yeah. um, you know, a Masters I mean, champion. Really so two, sen- two sentimentalists. One is, one is mm-hmm. uh, Dustin Hoffman, uh, or Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Obviously, to get the green jacket, which he hadn't got, The other is Roy to make the four. Yep. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's never won the Masters. And uh, sure. uh, so a lot of folks would like to see uh, Roy win the thing as mm-hmm. well. So, but, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm in the pool too, and but I I mm-hmm. threw two players in, or first year players. Everybody said I was crazy. I put Wood in. Uh, I think I mean he's played so well, uh, mm-hmm. and I don't think I don't think Augusta's going to scare either one of those two guys. I think they're going to come out, and I think they're going to play mm-hmm. well. So I I put them in my top ten. I, we picked top ten, and uh, for mm-hmm. the pool and, uh, I put both of them in my top ten. Now we'll see next week okay. whether. They, yeah. Whether either or either or do it, mm-hmm.
1: interesting. Sure.
3: I mean, well, you yeah. don't you know in our pool you don't have to win. If you, you pick ten players, and uh, depending on what slot they want, yeah, you know, they got to be in the top mm-hmm. ten. But you right. get points for each each slot on the sure. top ten. So it's
1: right. <laughs> yep. we hold on to that thought next week? Thanksgiving of the year, the tick 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 tock. It's up against the clock again, so.
3: Like we didn't guys, even get to the Ravens yet. That's all right. Well, we have to it next week. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. That's why yeah, Doug didn't no come on last week. He told us he fell asleep, but yeah. he didn't fall asleep. The Ravens lost. Yeah. He didn't want to come on. That's yeah, I, I had no idea. He was asleep
4: on the couch. Yeah.
9: <laughs> yeah. I'm, all I'm, right, Brian. Right. Thank the you back. very hey. much. What a great four days we have coming up with
3: Yeah,
1: Great four days coming
3: up with the Masters. Take care, guys. You Have
1: a great yep. week. Roger, thank you for your time again. And also, Doug, thank you for your time. I'd like to thank special guest Bill Berge, um, number 66 of my heart, and my idol growing up in Philadelphia. And also, Roy Cummings and Sim Zach with his wife. Couldn't come on next week, Frank. So we'll change it up for the, for the listening audience out there. And most of all, put in a dial, you're out. Mr. Frank. Brown. <laughs> for my family, your family, Frank, most of happy Veterans Day to all the veterans, thank you for serving the country, and thank you, Frank, for everything you've done, and God bless your family, too, and have a Frank, have a great week, everybody.
5: Thank you, Tom. Ladies and gentlemen, these programs are brought to you each and every night of the week in grateful appreciation the men and women of the United States Armed Forces and men and women of police and fire services. When you're out there and you see somebody in uniform, please let them know you know they're there. These are very tough times for everybody in uniform. These programs dedicated to those who have lost their lives in line of duty. Deputy Robert Anthony Carroll, Patrolman David Curtis, Patrolman Jeffrey Colcap, Sergeant Thomas Bager, Patrolman Jeffrey Yaswith, Detective Randy Bell, Detective Ricky Childers, San Diego Officer Mike Hendler, Lieutenant Mike Zerba, Newcastle County Police, Patrolman Onofa Crispin, Lakeland B.D., Chief Al Hogue, Longville Key Police Department, Chief Jimmy Ford, Wilmington Fire Department. Highway Patrol, Alonzo Moses, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol, Brian Lazaro, Philadelphia Highway Patrol. Highway Patrol, Brian Murphy, Plymouth, Township, PA, Highway Patrol. Lieutenant Bob Neary, Philadelphia Fire Department. Sergeant Mike Wilson, Charlotte County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Chief Mike Godwin, Philadelphia Fire Department. Deputy Jonathan Scott Pine, Orange County Sheriff's Department. Patrolman Robert Germain, Windermere, Florida Police Department. Trooper Chelly. Uh, Florida Highway Patrol, Lieutenant Joyce Craig Lewis, Philadelphia Fire Department, Patrolman Charlie Condit, topper Springs Police Department, Hillsborough County Deputy Sheriff Charlie Kotlob, uh, Sergeant James O'Connor, Philadelphia Police Department, Chief for Joe Bullock, Florida Highway Patrol r- r- uh, <clears throat> Patrol Officer Robert G- McKetchen, Luxon, Kentucky Police Department, Pisco County Deputy Sheriff <clears throat> April Rodriguez, L.A. County Sheriff's Department, Natalie Corona. Deputy um, Claeser, Lake County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Bill Gentry, Highland County Sheriff's Department. Kissimmee Police Officer Matt Baxter. Kissimmee Sergeant Sam Howard. T- uh, Captain Chris Leach, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Jerry Fikos, Wilmington Fire Department. Lieutenant Art of Hope, Wilmington Fire Department. f Special Inspector Penny Galaccio. And Sergeant Rodney Green. Rodney Bond. Florida, uh, the Delaware State Police. God bless you. Have a great week.